Grace, grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. What is God's attitude toward you? Go ahead and ask the average person on the street. What would they say? Well, some people would say, I believe God is mad at me. I believe God is angry at me, angry because of the things that I've done and the guilt that haunts me. It seems like I'm paying for it, so I believe God must be angry at me. Some people will say, oh, God loves me. Some people will say, well, God doesn't even know me. Some people will say, God is disappointed in me. And some people will say, God's probably given up on me. I want to talk to you about a Bible passage you heard read for you. Remember, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So here is a word from God, your heavenly father, that has the potential to really improve your relationship with God and affect your life. This passage is worth memorizing. This passage is worth, as the Bible says, writing on the door frames of your houses or on your gates, putting somewhere that you can always be reminded of it. So I'm going to help with that. So in your mailboxes, you got a little card with the Bible verse on it. Put it on your fridge, on your bathroom mirror, someplace that you always pass by, you can be reminded of it. it, it it's from the small book of Zephaniah, three chapters. It's called the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. And it contains a lot of good truth. And we're going to meditate. Simply think about these words. So Zephaniah 3.17, it's on the screen. Let's read it aloud together. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Now, let's say that passage again. But let's make it a little more personal. So, nice and loud, but then you put your name in where it's blank. Put your name. Just your first name's good. Okay, here we go. Let's read it aloud together. The Lord your God is with Brad. He is mighty to save Brad. He will take great delight in Brad. He will quiet Brad with his love. He will rejoice over Brad with singing. Zephaniah gives us five powerful truths that if we can keep these in our minds and in our hearts, it can change our lives. So here we go. The first one is God is with you. You have God's presence in your life. The Lord your God is with you. Would it make any difference in your life if you knew that Jesus was always with you? Would it make any difference in your life 
if he was working where you work, if he was living in your home, if he was playing where you play, if he was shopping where you shop, feeling what you feel. The whole message of the Bible is that God is not out there far, far away. God is close. He's right here. He is with you. When we can get that into our heads and our hearts, it makes all the difference in the world. These words were spoken to a people about to see their country and their beautiful city, Jerusalem, destroyed by the Babylonians and their people carried away because of their wicked lives and devoid of any repentance. But God would not cast them off forever. No way. He would once again dwell among them and he would be their God and they would be his people. He protected them in the midst of the plagues in Egypt. He went before them a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire as, his ancestor, as their ancestors left the bondage in Egypt. He promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. His message through Zephaniah is of great comfort and ultimately finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ, who is called Emmanuel. God with us. He is here for us in all the details of life, all the frustrations, all the disappointments, all the things you face, all the trials and tribulation. God says, I'm here. I'm in your midst. I'm near you to support you, to assist you, to strengthen you. And what I'm trying to say is that God is not just watching over you. He's walking with you through life. Are you a follower of Jesus? Then listen to what Jesus said to his followers when he ascended into heaven. Surely I am with you, Matthew 28. Surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And in Philippians 4 we heard, Rejoice in the Lord always. We're told not to be anxious or worried about anything. It's easier said than done because we tell ourselves, I'm not going to worry. And then we find ourselves worrying lots. So how can we stop being anxious? And Philippians answers in verse 5, the Lord is near. Right there. Close. I love what Jesus said to his disciples just before he was crucified. In John 14, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So when you reach the end of your rope and you want to know that God is with you, when you face the difficult trials in life, the Lord is with you. When people turn their backs on you, understand God doesn't. You have his presence. That is his attitude toward you. I'm going to be with you no matter what. Romans 8, right, 38. He says, nothing in the world can separate you from his love. What would happen if we practiced his presence every single day and every single moment of our lives? Would we be more confident and more bold people? God says, I'm with you. You can put your name in that. 
And not only is he with you, Zephaniah tells us, God is for you. Right? You have his presence and you have his power. He's mighty to save. Are you facing struggles in relationships right now? Struggles with your kids? Struggles on the job? Are you in a battle that you think you can't win? The verse says, our God is mighty to save. One translation says he's a mighty warrior. So ask yourself, what do you need saving from? What trial, what relationship, what hurt, what habit, what temptation, what problem, what sin and death? God doesn't want you to face it by yourself. He wants to exert his mighty power to save you. Psalm 34 says the Lord is near to the broken hearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He saves freely, fully, and finally. He saves from sin and he even saves you from yourself. He's a mighty warrior and he overcomes all the odds to defeat the enemy. So you and I could be free and safe. God is powerful and God is mighty and he's on your side. He is for you. Romans 8.31 puts it this way. If God is for us, who can be against us? He came to save. And we see this clearly on the cross. The mighty warrior taking on sin on our behalf to provide protection for us. We see the depths and the lengths to which he would go. This should give us great assurance that if you should face many battles in life, know that the battle is not yours alone. The battle belongs to the Lord. And our God is a mighty warrior who overcomes his enemy. He's in the midst of his people fighting with them and fighting for them, casting his arms around them like a shield. God is mighty to save, and that power is for you. He's on your side. Now, what would it do for your heart, for your life, if whenever you went to work, you went out into the world, you knew that God was for you? Or whenever you messed up, and oof, we all mess up, that God is still on your side. He's for you. How would that make you feel? He's not only with you, but he is for you. And he's fighting the battles for you. And that's what God, that's what Zephaniah is saying to God's people. They were discouraged. They had been some, through some really tough times and more to come. And God is for them. And now, the next one. And this picture really blows my mind. God, in all his holiness and in all his power, how does he regard us? Not only is God with you, not only is God for you, but God delights in you. And take a second to let that sink in. So God hasn't just saved us. He is actually delighting in us. In other words, let me put it this way. God doesn't just love you. 
he likes you let that sink in for a moment you may know a lot of folks that you love but you don't like God not only loves you he likes you he likes having you around he likes you being in his family he likes the relationship he has with you Isaiah 62 verse 5 says as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride so shall your God rejoice over you I haven't met a groom that doesn't delight in seeing his bride walk through the doors and come up the aisle he takes great delight in you means bright and cheerful and some of us think that when God thinks of me when my name crosses God's mind he frowns but instead of glaring at you God is glad he made you the look crossing your Heavenly Father's face is one of joy and delight he rejoices over you with gladness Almighty God looks at you and his heart is made glad when he does never once does he regret the price he paid for you never once if God had a calendar your birthday would be circled on it if God owned a wallet guess whose picture would be in it if there is a tree in heaven he's carved your initials in the bark if God had a smartphone you'd be his screensaver if God had a tattoo tattoo it would be of your image wait a minute he does have a tattoo of you Isaiah 49 God says I have engraved you on the palms of my hand that's how God feels about you this verse says God delights himself in you yep dirty messy you God delights in you now does he delight in you because you are so lovable no <laughs> does he delight in you because you've got it all together no you are sinful through and through but he brings you before the throne of grace and he's proud of you and he delights in you because of what Christ did for you on the cross through the blood of Jesus you've been made you've been made whole you've been washed and made new Wow I believe there are too many people that believe that God is ticked off at them yes he's just yes he's holy yes he disciplines his children and yes we should never take God's grace for granted but at the end of the day you need to know God delights in you because of what Jesus has done and this is so important because we mess up all the time and when we mess up the devil's right there the accuser of the brethren Satan himself is pointing the finger and saying see you call yourself a child of God do you really think God loves you now and all that stuff gets in our heads I want you to remember this verse God takes great delight in you he knows you sin he knows you struggle he knows the burdens that you carry he knows everything 
And he takes great delight in his people. So God is with you. So God is with you. God is for you. God delights in you. And then notice, it says God calms you. You will have God's peace. It says he will quiet you with his love. He will quiet you with his love. If you're ever going to have a sense of peace in your life, you have to ground your heart in the assurance that God loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing you could do to make him love you any less. He loves you. And in this verse, there's a picture of perfect contentment. He will quiet you with his love. And I think of a parent holding their crying child, holding them close, singing to them, and then they start to relax. You quiet them with your love, and that's the picture he gives here, a child lying on his or her mother or father in perfect peace, knowing he or she is loved. And what this verse is saying is that you and I can have that peace when we know that we're loved by God. It's not based on our performance. We want to do the right thing. You and I do. But we don't always do the right thing. It's not based on our performance. It's based on Jesus. He is our peace. God is love. And his love quiets us. It's a love that never fails. Now... If I know this to be true in my inner being, that God loves me that deeply, that passionately, then I can experience peace in any situation. No matter what struggles I go through, no matter how many relationship problems I have, no matter how much I mess up, I know God still loves me, and I can have peace in my heart. Everybody I have ever met wants to have peace in their lives. Rest in the, the assurance that God loves you, no matter what you've done. And God not only with you, he's not only for you, he not only delights in you, and he not only calms you, it says God celebrates you. Think about that. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will rejoice over you with singing. God moves from the quiet rest of being in a relationship with us to exuberant rejoicing. And here's what's kind of cool about this, because whenever you kind of have time to look at Bible passages and simple words, you look at their root meaning. And there's a primitive root of the Hebrew word for rejoicing, that means to spin around with great gladness. And I don't know about you, but I've been recently reminded of this with children. When they are really happy, they are dancing, and one of their first moves, little children, is they spin. They don't know what to do, but they spin. And it goes for adults too, apparently. <laughs> Remember the sound of music. <laughs> yep, the hills are alive. And then, ballroom dancing. Lots of spinning around. Two-step, foxtrot, drive, polka, butterfly. Lots of spinning around. Watch 
when you watch different cultures celebrate, <laughs> dancing and spinning around, isn't it interesting? And this verse is saying God is dancing over you. Can you imagine and picture that? He will rejoice over you with singing. The word singing refers to a shout. This is not, this is not mumbling half-hearted. This is not lip-syncing. God is loudly singing. The voice that thundered, let there be light, is singing a song. And what is he singing about? He's singing about you. He's singing over you. Why? Because you are his. We are his. And this is exactly what the New Testament teaches too. Jesus, remember, taught us a parable about the prodigal son who went to his father, shook his fist in his face, said, give me my inheritance now. In other words, I wish you were dead. The father gave it to him. The son left, went on a faraway trip to a faraway country, spent his money on wild living. The son then ends up in a pig pen, comes to his senses, decides to go home, and when he got near, the father ran out to see to greet him, brought him into the house, and what did the father do? He threw him a party. That's what the Bible says. When the older brother came near the house, he heard dancing and singing because the father was rejoicing, singing over his boy. Luke 15, verse 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. If you are wondering your loved ones who have gone on before you, what they're doing in heaven. <laughs> well, it's pretty clear now, isn't it? Zephaniah says, that is how God feels about you. When I hear that God is singing over me, I'm dumbfounded, speechless. God's singing over me, rejoicing over me? But this is God's word. It doesn't lie. Nehemiah 8 verse 10. Nehemiah told the people to go home after they had rebuilt the wall. Go home and rejoice and eat. And he says here's why. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not my joy in God. It's the fact that God rejoices over me. When I think about the fact that God is rejoicing over me, it gives me strength. So what if someone doesn't like me? Doesn't matter. God is rejoicing over me. I can be what God wants me to be. What would happen this week as you go on with your daily routine if you could play this over and over in your mind, this image of God delighting and singing over you? Would it make a difference in how you live? Don't follow your heart, which some say says, I don't feel like God is rejoicing over me. I'm a disappointment to God. Don't follow your heart. Lead your heart. 
Too many of us today are way too focused on our personal feelings and we need to focus on the facts. And here are the facts. God is with you. And God would never leave you and he will never forsake you. You may try to get away from him. He will not forsake you. Here's another fact. God is for you. He is on your side. And here's another fact. Through all your troubles, he will save you from your sin and from death. And here's a fact. God delights in you. You are his fondness, his choice. And he calms you and he gives you peace and he celebrates you with singing. The message ought to radically change your life. That ought to give you a fresh new look at God and put a smile on your face and pep in your step. So, we can hear this message. Well, that was pretty good. Pretty positive. And leave our lives unaffected by it. But remember Jesus' words. The words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and they are life. God's word accomplishes what it sets out to do. So one, we should live confidently with faith in the unfailing love of God. I mean, if you study other religions, they have you serving God with a constant worrying thought, have I done enough? Does he still love me? Number two, we should spur, we should be spurred on to obedience. See, the fact that God feels this way about us doesn't minimize our sins or our shortcomings. It reminds us that God is not standing over us with a big stick to knock us upside the head. He's already punished his son Jesus for our sake. It is finished. We know we fail and we come to him and ask for forgiveness. We repent and we find love right there. We find delight. So we ought to approach each day like this. Even if I mess up today, I know that God still loves me. But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try and be obedient as I possibly can. Even if I blow it, even if I mess up, he still loves me. But I'm going to seek to do his will because he loves me. And number three, we should display this kind of love to others. Jesus said, let your light shine. We light candles at Advent. Let your light shine. There's good news. When you receive something good, don't keep the good news to yourself. The message about how God feels about us is a message that the world needs to hear. So you've got someone in your family that needs to hear this. You've got someone at your work that needs to hear this. You've got someone in your neighborhood who needs to hear about the God that you trust and believe in with your whole life. It's a God who delights. Don't keep it to yourself. This God knows and loves you like nobody else. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for revealing your will and your heart to us. You, the creator of the universe, love us so much because of Jesus, and nobody loves us like you do. Help us to feel that way towards you, to love you back the way you first loved us, and to love others the way you love us. 
I pray, dear God, that if there is someone in here or out there that needs to hear this good news, that you would draw them to yourself. Draw them out from wallowing in the mud of sin and despair and love them. Draw them to a church home where they can hear about you and your love and practice loving others. Draw them to you, O oh Lord. We ask in Jesus' name.